welcome to the Sierra Unger podcast, where each episode I will be tackling a new commonly searched question. We're all curious about this life. And in each episode, I'll take your most commonly asked and searched questions online and distill them into practical answers. This week, I'll be talking about the hot topic of dry January, which is not only a timely thing, but is also one of the most searched questions online. In today's episode, we'll talk about what dry January is, how it started, and how it affects your body and whether it's even worth doing. And we can't forget that we're in one of the most stressful times in our lives during quarantine. So we'll also be tackling dry January during quarantine. So let's get to it. It's January. And that means, guys, it's a clean slate. And for some, that also means it's dry January. Most of us have heard about it once or twice. Many have participated in it religiously. To be exact, Morning Consult found that 13% of Americans in January 2021, that's now, that's this month, are participating in dry January, with 11% of Americans having previously participated at some point in their life. A stunning 73% of Americans said they had not actually heard of dry January. That's crazy. The number seems really high to me. So if this is your first time hearing of dry January, let me be the first to tell you that it isn't a weather pattern. (laughs) Yes, it's a drought, but it's a drinking drought. It's a time of the year that people make a vow to not drink for the month of January in hopes of achieving some mental or physical health benefit, which of course we'll dive into here in a bit. Others do it more to prove to themselves that they don't have an alcohol abuse problem. Morning Consult's report showed 79% of respondents were wanting to be healthier, just healthier, while 72% were trying to simply drink less alcohol in general. 63% say they wanted to reset their drinking. And 49% say they had been drinking a little too much during the pandemic. So there are a lot of reasons people participate in dry January. But whatever the motivation may be, participating in dry January gives the sense that you're doing something good for your body. But are you? That's one of the things we'll tackle in this podcast today. But first, how did dry January even start? With so many people not having yet heard of dry January, it's fairly safe to assume that it's because it's a fairly recent notion, right? Well, that's mostly true. Actually, it possibly goes back to 1942, when the Finnish government launched a campaign called Sober January as part of its war effort against the Soviet Union. Pretty interesting, huh? Fast forward to 2008, when three mates in Australia walked into a bar. (laughs) This isn't the start of a joke, I promise you. This really happened. And these three mates decided they wanted to take a break from alcohol. 
These gentlemen decided to use this time to focus on a cause they cared deeply about. And so they raised money for cancer by getting friends and family to sponsor them for what they called Dry July. Now that's my kind of mate, doing good for, the, for others, right? In the UK, Dry January began in 2011 with a runner named Emily Robinson who was training for a marathon and decided to give up booze for January while training. This single act by one person sparked curiosity by others and officially began a widespread initiative two years later after she joined the Alcohol Change UK and then thought, hey, after a holiday binge drinking, this would do people some good. So in 2013, the idea was born, and in 2014, it was trademarked. And it blew up in the UK over the following couple of years. And now 4 million people, that's 1 in 20 people, participate each year in the UK. Again, that's just in the UK. It really began gaining recognition worldwide after Alcohol Change partnered with Public Health England, which kicked off a craze that spread rapidly, including all the way to the U.S. And here in the U.S., we are still seeing adoption at increasing rates, but it's met with a lot of criticism and study. The most searched questions online around Dry January are questions like, is Dry January good for you? Is it effective? Is it good for your liver? How does it affect your body? And is it even worth it? And it's no surprise to learn that there are conflicting opinions on this because it really can depend on any one individual. But the stats are truly astonishing and indicative of, you know, regardless of whether it has long-term benefits for one individual, it's indicative that dry January can have a positive impact. Take the UK, for example, who began their first campaign in 2014. After the campaign launched, a survey by the University of Sussex found that in six months following dry January in 2014, 72% of those surveyed had kept harmful drinking episodes down and 4% were still not drinking. And now, in more present times, these folks drink 18% less collectively as a nation than they did 15 years ago. Social Standards, which is a member of Nielsen's Connected Partner Program, released data that shows global mentions of non-alcoholic drinks are up 81% on social media in a single year, while words like drunk and hungover are down about 20%. But why? Why are people truly doing this? And what are they getting out of dry January that keeps them coming back? And, you know, also recruiting others to join them. Why has this become a worldwide craze? We'll talk about that after a quick break. So before our break, we talked about the history of Dry January and how it has become a worldwide trend in the last decade, but we haven't answered what's all the fuss about. So what does Dry January do for your body? Some claim mental health benefits, 
Others claim physical health benefits. There are a lot of conflicting opinions simply because so much of any one person's experience depends completely on their body. It depends on their lifestyle habits and their circumstances. We made a case earlier for global impact, indicating that people do find some value in participating in dry January. They like it. But let's dive a little deeper. Let's start with some obvious benefits. Research published in 2018 by the Royal Free Hospital found that 86% of participants saved money. We could all use a little bit more of that this year. And that's a no-brainer, assuming you're not compensating and spending somewhere else to, of course, feed that craving or boredom. 71% said they had better sleep which may sound like a surprise because we are used to feeling relaxed and tired when we drink. And yes, alcohol can help induce sleep, but it decreases sleep latency, which means you could wake up feeling way more tired because you're frequently waking up in the night. But once your body gets the alcohol out of your system, once you detox, you'll begin to sleep better. And we know Good sleep does amazing things for our bodies. And it's no surprise when we hear that, that we also see 66% of people reporting having more energy and better concentration. And that's because they're waking up more refreshed the next day, ready to take it on. 65% of participants in this same study also report seeing improvements in their health. And that comes in a lot of forms. Alcohol contributes to higher blood pressure. In fact, according to the NIH, over 10% of high blood pressure in men is alcohol-related. You guessed it. Dry January can really help aid in bringing this down. Lowered cholesterol, reduced diabetes risk, and even a reduction in cancer proteins in blood have been found as positive effects from dry January. And need I mention weight? Think of everyone out there, including myself, who's been concerned about the quarantine 15. 58% in the Royal Free Hospital study reported lost weight which is no surprise. Think about all the ways you can easily gain weight when drinking. It stops your body from burning fat while also producing higher carbohydrate craving energy, which makes you feel hungry. So then you end up eating crappy food. And what about your skin? Drinking can definitely affect the way oxygen and other nutrients travel through your body and through your skin which stresses your skin out and agitates acne. So cutting out drinking has shown a lot of benefit to improving skin and hair for people. And oh boy, we have to talk about relationships. Whether a friend, a family member, or a lover, relationships have been known to struggle as a result of alcohol. Whether you say or do hurtful things you don't mean, or an internal self-esteem spiral occurs that gets projected, relationships can suffer. But dry January has been shown to help improve these areas and aid in steps toward healing. But all of these benefits so far are fairly physical. 
Dry January has a lot of mental health benefits that almost overshadow any one single physical benefit. In 2018, uh, specifically the 2018 Sussex uh, survey I mentioned earlier, shows lasting impact for participants, including reporting a decrease in the number of days per week and the amount per day they drank as well as a decrease in how often people got drunk for months after dry January and well into the year. And I think this is really because the combined physical and mental improvements that people feel and experience. A lot of people drink because they're looking for a fun time or for a mood boost, but alcohol is actually a depressant that can negatively affect your mental health. It contributes to anxiety, low mood, and depression, And dry January is a great opportunity to encourage people to look at lifestyle uh, changes rather than turning to the drink. One thing you may not know about me is I have a background in psychology, and one of my college thesis papers was on addiction and whether it's a gene you're born with or a lifestyle choice. So I'm really passionate about this topic. The idea of drinking and the psychology behind it is a truly fascinating idea for me to explore with you, and I hope that you'll indulge me. Drinking profoundly alters your mood, behavior, and the brain function, so it really impacts your mental health as a whole. Alcohol itself slows down your brain function and the neural activity. It causes impairment in speech and movement and reduces perceptions and the ability to think rationally. And I'm sure this comes as no surprise because we've all seen our friends, even ourselves, staggering, saying things we don't mean, getting in fights, and so forth. But what's really happening here is that alcohol depresses the central nervous system. And too much alcohol too rapidly can depress your system to the point of respiratory failure. And I get that that's more of a a rare and a severe circumstance but that's not, what's not as rare is the compounding effects that have a long-term impact on your mental health. I want to talk to the tough guy for a minute, the person who feels they have a higher tolerance. It's possible you drink a little bit more just to compensate because you don't immediately feel anything. To those folks, if that's you, you are at a higher risk of alcohol use disorder over time as you continue to build your threshold. And then there's the fact that alcohol actually changes the chemical makeup of your brain, leading to depression and anxiety. In effort to cope with this, people want to drink. And then it creates a pattern that can easily turn into alcohol use abuse. So when it comes to dry January, There are immense benefits for your mental health. You regain control over your sleeping patterns, your anxiety, and your mental health, which has lasting impact on your overall wellness. Now, I mentioned there were conflicting opinions about whether dry January has benefits. And I'm sure you're thinking, how could cutting out alcohol for a month have a negative effect on my body? And I would say that really depends on how well you keep up your good habits. A lot of people will drink a lot in December to prepare for January, or they'll drink a lot after January to compensate for missing out. And when you do that, 
you're losing the health benefits you gained when you return to drinking. In fact, because your tolerance may go down during this time, you can pick up your drinking habit again right where you left off and do even more damage to your body. But if you keep up your moderation after January, you can best regulate your system to help avoid this kind of damage. A lot of people use dry January as a way of feeling more confident about managing their drinking generally. And it's great when that translates to lower consumption overall across the whole year. But unfortunately, a lot of people use this as a signal that they don't have an abuse problem. And after they've detoxed for a month, they go right back to drinking more than they did previously, and it propels into a larger issue. So we've talked about the history of Dry January and how it has grown to be a worldwide movement, and even more so after almost a year after the COVID-19 pandemic began. We talked about the benefits and the potential drawbacks of participating in Dry January, including both mental and physical impacts in the short term and long term. But getting started and quitting cold turkey can be really tough for a lot of people, especially right now when there's not really much else to distract us. We're incredibly stressed and we're coping with a very different and very difficult world. But the good news is there are a lot of other people out there taking the same step. You guys know I'm a strategist, whether it's professional or career. And as with any goal you want to achieve, I believe in making a plan. So here's a few tips for a successful dry January. First, I'll offer a shameless plug here. (laughs) I'm sharing mocktails with my fans across Instagram and on my website for this whole month. So I encourage you to check out my blog, follow me on Instagram for some really delicious recipes that can really help kick the habit. But really, a lot of it comes down to planning. It starts by making goals that go beyond the whole don't drink in January goal. Set realistic expectations for yourself. And here's the the key, guys. Don't get disheartened if you slip. This isn't an all or nothing thing. If you slip up, keep at it. Get back on the horse. You can choose to keep these goals private, but I really find that it helps when you share them with someone you trust who can keep you accountable. If you don't have someone like that in your life, reach out to me. I'd love to be that for you. Or I can definitely direct you to a resource that can. You can also avoid triggers that make you want to drink. Whether it's the time of the day, circumstance, location, people, you name it. Try to avoid these things if they trigger you to want to drink. Next, plan for your urges. And this is really important because you will have them. And there are several ways that you can proactively plan for these urges so you can have a plan of attack when they occur. First, determine your alternative habit. Can you call someone? Meditate. Can we take a page out of Elle Woods' book and exercise because endorphins make you happy? (laughs) I personally use an app called OpenFit, and it has a ton of quick 10-minute exercises or five or seven minutes, whatever your timing might be, they give a little boost throughout the day, even if you only have five minutes to spare. You can also plan for replacement habits like sparkling water or have I mentioned my delicious mocktails? 
Last thing I want to talk about is dry January during the pandemic. Friends, I know this has been a really difficult year for you. You're doing great. To help cope, we've given ourselves a pass on things we eat and how much we drink, telling ourselves to give ourselves a break. YOLO, you do you, sis. And I wholeheartedly believe in that within reason and within moderation. Maintaining our mental health is more important than ever during the pandemic. And drinking doesn't do you any favors in creative positive enzymes and endorphins. It makes it harder to maintain a positive attitude and a positive outlook. And we need all the help we can get right now. So treat yourself. That's okay. But the research shows that most people are recognizing that their drinking has picked up during the pandemic and they are looking to get it under control. So use January. This is a clean slate. Use it to get back on track. That's all I have for you today, friends. I hope you enjoy today's podcast on dry January. Until next time, remember you are loved and I'm so glad to have you in this world with me.